I turned to Luke chapter 11 in God's Word. Luke chapter 11 within God's Word this morning as we're preaching through the Gospel of Luke. Have your sermon study guide ready as we jump into a message I'm excited about this morning. Many of you have heard, but Pastor Ryan, who was just up here, uh, and his wife, his wife is my daughter, he's my son-in-law, amen, and what a delightful experience it is. They've just purchased a home, their brand new home, amen, well, new to them, and uh, we just recently had the delightful task uh, of uh, taking care of a leak in their ceiling. And guess what was it was caused by? It, it's amazing how the little things of life can cause big problems. Capiche? You with me on this? How the little foxes can spoil the grapes. Uh, the, the home has sat since last summer. And of course, the gutters got filled with leaves. And the leaves stopped up the uh, downspouts, the drains, and the, the, the gutters filled up with water, with water, and the water this winter has and expanded and expanded, and we've had more snow. I think we broke the record of snowfall for Michigan in the wintertime. Uh, as the snow built up one foot, two feet, three feet on top of their roof, uh, and the, it melted, it had nowhere to go and built up an ice dam. Well, a picture speaks louder than words, doesn't it? A picture's worth a thousand. Let's look at some pictures right now to show you. Here's your youth pastor standing on his new roof. And we're up there, I'm taking the picture, we're up there and we're getting ready to shovel all the snow off the roof because all the snow, all the ice, the water crept under the shingles leaking in their living room. Yeah, next picture. Here, I'm not exaggerating. Look at how thick the ice, I mean, I'm up there like Chevy Chase on an extension ladder with that ice-filled gutter, if you ever saw Christmas Vacation, the movie, and I'm up there, though, with my carpenter's hammer, and I'm just beating that ice in the name of Jesus. <laughs> um, it was like granite. It was so hard. You can see how, how, how thick the gutters are with, with, with ice. Next picture. And, and we've got the gutters cleared, and. You can see how thick the ice dam is, a good foot thick up there on the eaves. And you can see the full moon in the background and the sky. Yeah, we were up there till 10 o'clock at night, hammering and beating. I didn't care what the neighbors, I mean, were thinking. I don't live there. And uh, <laughs> I've been beaten away in the name of Jesus. Come on, come out of there. We cleared it all up. We broke chunks of ice uh, that, I mean, size of big flagstones that came down. I, and then I'm up on the extension ladder, and I was reach. I, I was getting, getting tired of coming down, moving the ladder, and pounding. So I reached way out. You know what happened? The ladder slid out like Chevy Chase, and I'm hanging there. Ryan, help me! and uh, looking around to see if the neighbors are laughing. Yeah, yeah, we had a delightful experience breaking that ice. How many of you this morning, you need a breakthrough? What is it that is hardened to you in your experience? How many of you need a breakthrough in your health, your finances? How many are here this morning, you need a breakthrough in your marriage. You're sitting alone here this morning. Your whole family should be here. And in the name of Jesus, you need a breakthrough with your children, your spouse. Breakthroughs. Luke 11 deals and focuses on breakthroughs. And that's where I'm going this morning. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 this morning. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, 
that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Did you realize in Luke chapter 11, we have more teaching, more insight, more revelations from Jesus on prayer than any other portion of the Gospels. That's why I'm excited about Luke 11 and breakthroughs. Here, like in Matthew 6, we get the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer teaches us what to say in prayer. And I've taught on the Lord's Prayer for years. The Lord's Prayer, I'll say it again, teaches us what to say in prayer. It teaches us the content of prayer. The Lord's Prayer was never meant to be memorized, though there's nothing wrong with that. It was never meant to be your only prayer. It was never meant to be a recitation, a ritual. It was meant to be a paradigm, an example, a model of how to pray. But reality, more than how, the Lord's Prayer gives us what to pray not the attitude to pray in. That is found in the rest of Luke chapter 11. This morning, I want to focus not only on what to pray, I mainly want to focus how to pray. I want to focus this morning on what Jesus emphasized on the attitude, the faith attitude of how you should pray the Lord's Prayer. This morning, I want to share with you breakthrough praying. Would you pray with me right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray in these moments that I have with my dear congregation, grant, oh God, I pray, ears to hear and hearts to receive. Come, Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you'll grant, oh God, a breakthrough where there's confusion, where there's worry about tomorrow. Give us focus on your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Breakthrough praying. Would you write it down this morning as you fill in the blanks with me? In Luke chapter 11, verse 5, Jesus tells the story of a man who had a midnight emergency. Let's read about this midnight emergency right now in Luke chapter 11. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. What's Jesus teaching us here in this parable of a midnight emergency? Who's the central character of Jesus' story here? It's not the guy that was sleeping, his friend. It's not the unexpected guests who have come from out of town at the midnight hour. The central character that Jesus wants us to focus on is the host. The host who is receiving unexpected visitors at a nighttime hour. This host could not be faulted because in that day and time, you did not know when visitors would arrive. There was no postal service. There was no cell phones. There was no email. There was no internet. There was no Facebook. People could show up at any time. And hospitality was a sacred duty. It was sacred. I lived in the Middle East all summer, one summer. And any time that you visited anyone, they had to lay before you a full banquet, whether you showed up announced or unannounced. Yes, it's a sacred duty. The unexpected guests, they cannot be faulted. Travel in the desert was always done at night. And they couldn't call ahead. And, and, and the guy that's sleeping, he can't be faulted. That was the normal time to sleep. So, we've got an emergency here. We have a sacred duty to, to, to feed some guests. And the 7-Eleven is now closed. And so the host 
comes to his friend's house in the middle of the night, the midnight hour. And he notices right away the door is closed. Jesus cites that. Now that's important. Do you know that in the times of Jesus, doors were kept open all the time? Doors were hard to close. They did not have the modern doorknob and locking mechanism that we have today. It took some time to string up rope or chain and lock up, close up the door for the night. So a closed door, a shut door in that day and time meant do not disturb. We're all sleeping. So he comes to this house. He hears no sounds, no voices, sees no lights. The door is now closed. Did he go, oh, well, they're in bed. I'll try to find a 712 instead of a 711. No. He comes to the door and he starts calling. Joe! Joe! Wake up! It's Phil! I need some pizza! Now, I know Jesus said three loaves of bread, but I know me. I, I, pizza! Ham and pineapple, preferably. Joe, wake up! Phil! Phil, is that you? Man, are you crazy? It's after midnight. I've got unexpected guests. Please help me, man. I, I've got to show these people some hospitality. Wake up. Come on down. I need some pizza, ham and pineapple. The door is now shut for the night. Joe, I'll wake up my whole family. You see, the whole family in that day and time slept in the same bedroom, but on different mats. They only had one bedroom in most of the homes. So it's no wonder in the story you, you see here where the man says, I'll wake up my whole family, plus i got to get up early to go to work in the morning. And on top of that, if my wife wakes up, uh, she'll nag me all night. Joe, I need some pizza. So I start knocking on the door. Wake up, Joe. And then I hear some feet hit the dirt. Door opens up. Frozen pizza. It's pepperoni, but it'll do. It's shoved in my hands. Oh, thank you, Lord. And I go back to my home and serve my unexpected guests who have come from out of town. I perform this sacred duty and I entertain them with food. Yeah. Jesus' focus is on the man who kept knocking. The man who kept calling. The man who expected to receive. Now, the focus here, as I said, is on the host. So listen to what Jesus says next in Luke 11, verse 8. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, the guy that's sleeping, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you everything you want just because of your persistence. Does God sleep? Come on, you can do better than that. Does God sleep? Okay, not the guy in the balcony, please. No. Is God deaf? So Jesus is not comparing the man that's sleeping to God. Parables are made up of both comparison and contrast. He's showing a contrast here. This is a parabolic method to show a contrast. Jesus is saying to us loud and clear, God is not deaf. God doesn't sleep. His focus, though, is on the guy that keeps knocking. Just because of your persistence, and so it is with prayer, keep on asking and you'll keep on getting. Keep on looking and you'll keep on finding. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. All who seek find. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. Write it down with me. For real prayer breakthroughs, Jesus reveals we must pray with a faith attitude of persistency persistency. 
Hey, do you agree with me? We live in an age of quitters. High schools are littered with dropouts. The military hires psychologists because of those who go AWOL. Marriages dissolve from I do to I quit. But Paul, the apostle in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul says this about praying. Pray without ceasing. Sir, ma'am, young person, find, find time each day, even if it's just five minutes, five minutes. The length is not important. The consistency and the persistency is. Find five minutes to get alone with God and pray. Prayer continues to make a way where there seems to be no way. Prayer split the Red Sea and they walked across on dry ground. Prayer stopped the mouths of lions. Prayer brought bread out of the heavens. Prayer brought fire out of the skies. Prayer has vanquished armies. Prayer has caused the vilest sinner to be clean. Prayer has revived churches. Prayer has restored homes. Prayer has changed the destiny of nations. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Be still. Each day in prayer. And know that He is God. And watch what God will do. Pray without ceasing. You see, persistence in prayer shows God that you trust Him no matter what. Even if the answer is delayed for a while. Many times the reason the, the answer is delayed is because God is trying to create faith muscles in you. Many times the reason why the, the answer is delayed, there's a spiritual warfare going on. Daniel chapter 10 reveals this. Angels are fighting through with the answer. Growing up, I had a lot of friends, but I'll never forget Curtis. Curtis lived a few doors down. I lived on one side of the church, in the church parsonage. My daddy was a pastor. Curtis lived on the other side of the church parking lot. Curtis was older than me. Curtis was bigger than me. Curtis was stronger than me. And every time I played with Curtis, it ended up in a fight. Couldn't have been my personality. We always ended up, seemingly in my memory, in a wrestling match, in a fight. And Curtis would always end up beating up on me. And I'd end up sniffling and crying and, you know, bandaging my wounded, defeated heart. And I'd go home, and I remember one time my dad caught me crying. He says, what's the problem? I said, Curtis, Curtis beat me up again. Now, today's modern parent would just say, don't play with Curtis any longer. Today's modern parent would say, you need to sit down and reason with him. You need to perform diplomacy with him. You need to bring economic sanctions on him. But my dad was not a modern parent. My dad looked at me and said, I give you a word, Phil. Hang on and don't quit. <laughs> he said, young sir, you hunker down like a bulldog on that big dog and you just don't quit. Next time Curtis start beating up on me, I got around his neck. I put a half Nelson, quarter Nelson, whatever Nelson on him, and I hung on like a little hairy bulldog. And I, I mean, even though I was hurting, even though he was banging into me, punching into me, I hung on, I hung on, I wasn't going to quit. And you know what? Curtis never did it again. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, wow, what's got into you? I said, from now on, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be a quitter. Honey, sir, ma'am, what do you need from God in prayer? My word to you this morning is don't give up. Persist. Expect the answer to be on its way. Keep knocking on heaven's door. Don't quit. Don't be a quitter. Amen. But there's something deeper. 
There's, that's just the superficial. This is just the surface teaching that we see in this parable. There's something much deeper. This parable that Jesus gave of the real breadwinner is like an onion. There's many layers of truth in this parable. I want you to see the deep-seated, powerful truth about prayer that's in the parable that Jesus gave of the midnight hour and the real breadwinner. Write it down. Specifically, breakthrough praying is permeated with the faith attitude of persistent expectation. Persistent expectation. God is not wanting us just to hunker down and endure, 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 endure. Oh, I'm just enduring. Oh, I'm just persevering. Oh, I'm just persisting in prayer. No! He wants your prayer life. He wants you to pray the dynamics of the Lord's prayer with the faith attitude of expectation, anticipation that somehow, someway, God is going to do the impossible. You hear me in this? Oh, if you don't believe me, let's read it within God's Word. Amen. Let's read it this morning in God's Word. This sense and faith attitude of expectation. Verse 9. And so it is with prayer. Keep on asking and you will keep on getting. Keep on looking and you will keep on finding. Knock and the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. All who seek find. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. You men who are fathers. If your boy asks for bread, do you give him a stone? If he asks for fish, do you give him a snake? If he asks for an egg, do you give him a scorpion? Jesus said, of course not. And if even sinful persons like yourselves give children what they need, don't you realize that your heavenly Father will do at least as much? And more so, and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. More than your financial, more than your physical, more than your family need. We need, we need, we need the power of the third person of the Trinity. We need the person and the presence and the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in our lives, our marriages, our families, our church, our nation. Amen? God hits it on the head here. Anticipation, expectation. How can, I, how, how, can I, how can I illustrate this? How many of you, you've been hanging with me long enough, you know about Becky's brownies? You know about Becky's brownies? Well, you haven't heard about Becky's kettle corn. Yeah. Now, I, I do real good. This is transparency time here. I'm going through catharsis. I do real good all day long with my diet. I just drink coffee all day long and I don't stop. I lose all appetite. I have no problem with appetite all day long and even into the evening. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll get all kinds of health emails tomorrow. <laughs> Forget it, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. And I'm going to evening meetings and uh, many times I'm going night after night, all day long, night after night. And my dinner hour is usually, Becky will tell you, gospel truth, my dinner hour is usually 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. Okay? And that's when I get attacked by the munchies. <laughs> and I munch, and I munch, and I munch, and I munch. And then I wake up the next morning, I feel like my stomach is possessed by demons. I say, oh God. I will never do that again. I always figure at, you know, at the midnight hour when I'm having my munchies, I'll just run faster on the treadmill. I'll just do more treadmill. I never gained more weight since I've got that treadmill. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll get home late from a meeting and I'll be sitting there watching the news on TV when I get the munchies. And then all of a sudden... I get that smell. Oh, 
that wonderful, wonderful smell, that odor. We're not just talking salty popcorn. If any of you know out there, if any of you are in agreement with me right now, we're talking sweet and salty. <laughs> oh, and that sweet and salty smell, the kettle corn incense permeates the atmosphere of the home. And already I'm foaming at the mouth. I'm going to have kettle corn. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy kettle corn. Kettle corn is coming. I'm already anticipating it. I'm already enjoying it. I'm already experiencing the kettle corn experience. And then she brings it out. And oh, the reality matches the anticipation. The reality matches the expectation. One night I got impatient, and she didn't have my kettle corn out, so I went and got the bag. I thought, I can learn to do this. I have a doctorate. I know how to do this. And I didn't bother reading the instructions. Put, she will testify to this. I put it in the microwave, and I, I didn't read anything. I didn't read how long. I, ah, ten minutes. All of a sudden, it wasn't the kettle corn smelled. Smoke was filling our I lit the microwave on fire. Oh, my. Yeah. Kettle corn. Kettle corn. Oh, can you taste it right now? We're talking sweet and salty. That combination. Oh, oh is that good? Mark chapter 11, verse 23. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, whatever, whatever, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have already received it. I can put already in there because it's in the original Greek. Believe that you've received it. Believe when you pray that it's already a done deal. Have such a level, such a degree of expectation, anticipation that you're already enjoying what you're praying about. Get excited in prayer. Believe that you have received it. And because of your expectation, because of your anticipation, it will be yours. Do you see it there? When you pray with expectation, you expect God to hear. You expect God to move. You expect God to act and answer you. You're so filled with expectation and anticipation. You're already tasting the miracle. You're tasting the, the breakthrough. And what, what does that cause you to do? Even before you see the reality, you're already being thankful. It's like me watching the news as I smell Becky's kettle corn popping. I'm hearing it already. I'm not yet seeing it, but I'm hearing it. I'm already smelling it, and I'm already tasting it, and I'm already excited. In my spirit, it's a done deal. That's how God wants you to pray. That's how God wants you to move into His throne room. If you get this way in prayer, Jesus guarantees you power in prayer. George Mueller. George Mueller's book, his, his biography, is one of the classics of Christian literature. George Mueller directed an orphanage of orphanages. He saw more miracles take place. He was a man of prayer. His prayer many times could even change the weather. Powerful answers. George Mueller writes in his autobiography or his diary, I have a dear friend who is an unbeliever and I have prayed for 63 years and eight months and have not stopped praying. He will be saved. It cannot be otherwise, for I am praying." End quote. Well, George Mueller died. And his dear friend that he prayed for was yet unsaved. But on the day on the day they lowered the body, the dead body of George Mueller, 
into the grave. His friend was at the funeral, and as the body was being lowered into the grave, that friend fell to his knees and said, Oh my God, I'm a sinner. Jesus be my Savior. And was born again at that spot. True account. Listen, you might die. Your, might, your body might go into the ground, but your prayers, your prayers, your prayers are deathless. Some of you are here this morning enjoying the blessings of God because mom prayed, dad prayed, grandpa and grandma prayed. They're in heaven right now, but those prayers are still working. Those prayers are still moving. Church, keep praying. Keep praying and pray with expectation. Let's look at the content of breakthrough praying. Jesus reveals... The faith attitude of persistent expectation as the how to experience breakthroughs in prayer. When Jesus gave the story of the midnight hour, the emergency at the midnight hour, he was teaching us the kind of attitude we need to have in prayer. And the kind of attitude we should have in prayer is what? Expectation. You got it. Most of Luke 11 teaches the expectation of prayer. Persistent expecting. Persistent expecting. Now come back to the Lord's Prayer. And look at the Lord's Prayer in a whole new light. That's what I'm wanting you to do this morning. I want to equip my, my dear flock on how to look at the Lord's Prayer in a whole brand new light. I want you to look at it through the faith attitude, the faith prism of expectant faith, persistent expectation. The Lord's Prayer teaches us what to pray. The parable teaches us how to pray. Now look at the Lord's Prayer. Look at the dynamics of the Lord's Prayer through that prism. Now Luke gives a condensed version of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew gives all of it. Let's read Matthew's version. You're acquainted with that. After this manner, therefore pray. Everybody pray with me right now. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The first dynamic, would you write it down? The first dynamic, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a dynamic of what? Sonship. Sonship. Jesus is revealing here that when you pray to the Father, you're not praying to a neurotic parent. You're not praying to a perfectionistic parent. You're not praying to a scorekeeper. You're not praying to some impersonal Star Wars force. You're not praying to some feeble, senile, uh, old man in a rocking chair who's deaf and cannot hear your prayers. You're praying to your heavenly, almighty, all-loving Father. Father. Did you realize that the radical feminist movement has their own Bible? The feminist Bible? And they have changed the Lord's Prayer to read, Our Mother, which art in heaven. Listen, listen. You can hire a printer to change the type. You can hire a lawyer to change the, a name. But you cannot change the truth. That prayers uttered in expectation faith ascend not to a mother, but to our Father which art in heaven. And you are His child. Hallelujah. Jesus taught us to hallow His name. That means to honor, to reverence, to respect the name of our God as the almighty, all-loving Father. Listen. Our Father, our Father, our Father, realize this, is sitting in heaven right now on His throne. And I imagine Him with His hand cuffed behind His ear to hear our prayers. I imagine that He's desirous 
of us to ask Him to do great and mighty things, uh, to move in glorious power and authority. He's listening for you and I to pray with expectation, to expect Him to pull down the strongholds of abortion, pornography, drug addiction, and perversion. He's asking us uh, to cry out to Him, to expect Him to pull down the demonic forces that have a stranglehold on America. He's waiting for us to move in expectation faith and pray for a revival that it will sweep from sea to shining sea across America. And, and, and what did we pray for? Oh God, oh God, while we're in Florida, don't let it snow. Don't let our driveway and our sidewalks be filled with snow and our neighbors get mad. To honor and hallow your Father's name. Ask big. Ask for the incredible. Ask for the awesome. Ask for the big because he's a big God. He's a big God. He's a big Father. Don't expect the little with little expectation expect the big he's waiting for us to move in expectation faith listen when you re when you pray i want you to remember who you're talking to our god our god our father who makes a way where there seems to be no way so ask him for things that are so staggering so big that god slides to the edge of his throne uh, and he says to his angels uh, did you hear what my child is asking for did you hear what my 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 child is expecting <laughs> uh, do it angels do it! Uh, faith like that excites me. Get down there with the answer. Move those mountains. Pull down those strongholds. Uh, heal that incurable disease. Resurrect that dead marriage. Set that addicted child free. Restore that lost son. Restore that lost daughter to their home. Do it now! That's how you honor a great God. By asking greatly. The second dynamic I want you to see through the lens of expectation. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven is one of lordship. Wherever God's kingdom presides, wherever God's kingdom resides, God's will is being accomplished. The kingdom of God is already, but not yet. Right now we experience the kingdom of God in the spiritual there's coming a day we're going to see it with the visible eye. Already, but not yet. Jesus taught in Matthew 12, when you see demons being cast out of people in my name, know that the kingdom of God is upon you. Already, but not yet. Whenever and whatever the kingdom of God is presiding and residing in. You can know God's word, God's will, God's ways are being established. When you pray, thy kingdom come with expectation, you can know that you know that you know souls are going to be saved. Uh, homes are going to be restored. Miracles are going to be manifested. Revival is going to take place in the church. There's going to be an awakening in our nation. When you pray, thy kingdom come. Uh, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's not a wimpy statement in prayer. It's an expectation statement. It's a bold statement because He's a bold and awesome God and He can do it. Listen, I don't subscribe to the gloom and doomers in the Christian world that things are just going to get worse and worse and worse and the church is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And when Jesus comes back, we're going to be singing, Hold the fort, for He is coming. And we're just going to be hanging on. 
My Bible says He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you realize, sir, ma'am, young person, the exciting, exciting days that we're living in? I'm believing as I look at Bible prophecy that we're going to see the greatest revival ever yet on this planet. It's going to happen. A last day's great harvest because God's people are praying, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this kingdom is going to be literal. This kingdom will be visible. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. I'm tired of the TV cameras focusing on those, those Hollywood stars walking on the red carpet of the Oscar. My, my, they have half a brain, most of them. And we so honor and adore. I'm tired of the TV cameras only on the Olympic champions. I'm tired of the TV cameras focused only on those who give the State of the Union address. I'm looking for that day when the TV cameras of the world are going to be focused on He who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The King is coming. The King is coming. The King is coming. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that, you're praying with the God confidence. He's coming back. He's coming back. Uh, believing ears are going to hear what unbelieving ears cannot hear. Blood-washed eyes are going to see what unbelieving eyes cannot see. And the skies, hallelujah, will part. Uh, we will see the eastern skies unzip. And He will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain, we will be caught up. Uh, caught up. Caught up in the air to be with Him forevermore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you expect it? Are you praying for it? You're praying for it when you pray, Thy kingdom come. Jesus is coming back for a church that's expecting Him. The King is coming back for a church that is praying with expectation, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next dynamic, give us this day our daily bread reminds us that our Father is Jehovah Jireh, our awesome provider. Listen, expectant asking is the rule of the kingdom of God. Expectant asking is an expression of total dependency on your Father. He delights when you ask Him for your needs. This week, this week I got a text message from somebody who hasn't talked to me in a while and she should have called her father. But she hasn't called her father. She sent me a text. <clears throat> Sometimes I like the text from people, but from my children I love a phone call. I love talking to my children. And she put in the text message, Dad, next week, my college professor is taking our class on a fossil hunt. This is no ordinary fossil hunt. We're going down a river and in swamps on kayaks. And I need $25 for this fossil hunt. You're the best daddy in the world. Can you help me out? I made the transfer of 25 bucks into her account. She texts back, I love you so much, Daddy. Even though I would have liked to have a phone call, I felt like a million dollars. I love, I love, I love helping out my children, my grandchildren. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Huh? They're asking. Their asking doesn't put me off. Their asking is not a bother to me. It shows that they trust me. 
Their asking shows their faith in me. Their asking shows their expectation that I will meet their need. How much more so will your heavenly Father delight when you ask Him uh, for your daily needs, even your daily bread. He's Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. But God preacher, but God preacher, God preacher, listen to me. God helps those who help themselves. Headlines, you can't find it in the Bible. You'll never find that expression in the Bible. You'll never find that statement in the Bible. Give us our daily bread is. So ask Him. Ask Him with expectation. The next dynamic, the next dynamic, write it down. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors means our Father is our vindicator. Our Father is our vindicator. Look at, if you want to have forgiveness in the vertical, you must walk in forgiveness in the horizontal. If you want to walk in forgiveness with Father God, you need to be walking in forgiveness with everybody in life. There it is. If you want to have breakthrough praying, expect God to resolve your conflicts. Expect God to reconcile your hurts. Expect God to be your vindicator. When I was in seminary in Pasadena, California, I was the fix-it man in our apartment complex. I had to install dozens of garbage disposals. I had to change out dozens of toilets. I had to do all kinds of fix-it work. I didn't know anything that I was doing. But I sure learned. I talk about on-the-job training. Now, I grew up as a Michigan boy. We have furnaces. There in Southern California, they don't need furnaces. But they do in their bathrooms have electric heaters. So I was going in that day to install an electric heater. I didn't know. Duh, that was 220. I had, I, I had, Rod, I had, manager at Lowe's over here, I had a shocking revelation <laughs> as I installed that, that electric heater. I short circuited something that sent me flying across the bathroom. And as I woke up, I saw the problem of short circuiting. It is a shocking realization. You want to short circuit your prayer life? Then hold a grudge, hold resentment, hold unforgiveness towards someone. And you will cancel your prayer life with God. He cannot hear the prayers of those who are holding on to unforgiving spirits. The fifth dynamic. The fifth dynamic, lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, reveals that we can expect our Father to be our mighty warrior. Do you pray with the expectation that He is your shield? He is your mighty warrior. He is the glory and the lifter of your head. As you move into the storm, as you move into the battle, as you move uh, against the very forces of hell itself, do you move with an expectation, a God confidence, that the Lord is your mighty warrior and He will deliver you, not just from evil. Look at the New International Version. That's the original language. He'll deliver you from the evil one. Where's Mike Laws? I thought I saw you, buddy, sitting back there. You remember, you remember, Mike, when I took the church to Lion Country Safari? I was thinking of you when I was writing this sermon. Lion Country Safari, one time I took the church on one of my crazy vacation episodes. I took the church tubing down the Elora Gorge uh, in Elora, Ontario. Near Elora, Ontario is Lion Country Safari. I highly recommend it. It's awesome. You can drive up to rhinoceros. You can drive right up to an elephant. Uh, giraffes will come inside the window of your car. I mean, it's cool. It's really cool. And my favorite part is the baboon park. 
You drive through there, and I guarantee you, your car will be covered like ants on an anthill with baboons all over your car. And if you have any loose trim, if you have an old-fashioned antenna, if you have any loose chrome or plastic, it's gone. It's gone. My, my, my. Poor Mike, he, he had one of those big classic, I mean, vans that we all used to have way back when. And he was going through with his big van, family van. And he had one of those sliding glass windows on the side of it. He had, had, a, had a screen, you know, on the window. They peeled back that screen. They reached in. They grabbed a little suitcase thing of medication. As we were driving away, we saw these baboons hanging from the trees with foaming at the mouth. It was cool. It was really cool. <laughs> and every time I go through the baboon park and I see cars just loaded with those baboons tearing at the car, ripping at the car, I think of the demons of hell. When you pray, Sir, ma'am, young person, when you pray, you can pray with the God confidence, with the God confident expectation that our God has never lost a battle. He knows no retreat. He knows no defeat. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. Hallelujah. Greater is he that's within me and you than he that's in the world. You hear me in this? Our God is greater. Devil's been a loser from the beginning. Look at his track record. No sense in following a loser. Let's follow the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our God, who cannot and who will not fail. Amen. And watch the answer come. Number six, the last dynamic for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a dynamic of final victory. Final victory. You see that the Lord's Prayer begins with praise. The Lord's Prayer begins with worship. The Lord's Prayer begins with the confident expectation that He is our Father who desires to do good things for His children. And the Lord's Prayer ends with thanking God that we're on the winning side, that He's on the throne, and everything is going to be all right. Most Christians, most Christians who have been in the church for years don't know what the word amen means. They don't know what the word amen means. Why do we put amen at the end of our prayers? Amen means so be it, or it is done. It's a done deal. You're able to say to old Slewfoot, our God, it's His kingdom, His power, His glory, forever. Amen. Enemy, not now, not here, not in my house. My God is king. My God reigns. My God will never lose a battle. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 End your prayer time. End your prayer time. End your prayer time with a confident expectation. You're on the winning side. The battle is already won. Hallelujah. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, even the old devil, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're moving to that day and time. Walk in the reality of that spiritual experience now. Amen. Martin Luther said this about amen. Martin Luther said this about amen. Martin Luther said, mark this, make your amen strong, never doubting that God is surely listening to you. This is what amen means, that I know with certainty that this prayer has been heard by God. God is already putting forth His orders. God is already dispatching angels. God is already winning the victory. God is on the throne and everything's going to be all right. I want you to be reminded when you pray, you're not talking to the President of the United States. 
I want to remind you that when you pray, you're not talking to a zillionaire with all kinds of money. I want to remind you that when you pray with confident expectation, you're talking to the unlimited creator of heaven and earth, the one who spoke the galaxies into place. Expect Him, your Father, to do the impossible for you. Expect Him to defeat your giants. Expect Him to pull down your strongholds. Expect Him to still your storms. Ask Him, for He's your God who cannot and will not fail. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask and pray even right now, O oh Lord, that we'll pray, we'll pray, we'll pray, Lord, with a God-confident expectation that you're already winning the victory, that you're already healing, that you're already moving our mountain, that you're already winning that unsaved son or daughter to you, that you're already, O oh God, doing that which only our God can do. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus, Father, even right now, come, come, come to a people of expectant faith, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then, Lord, that leaves nothing for the enemy. How about it today? 
as heads are bowed and eyes are closed today, how many of you, how many of you, how many of you in the sound of my voice this morning, how many of you with an upraised hand would say, Pastor, I need a breakthrough. I need an answer to prayer. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. If you don't need one, then keep your hand down. But if you do, lift it up high. Lift it up high in God confidence. In God confident expectation. Lift it up high. Amen. 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 You that have your hands lifted up, I want to challenge your faith right now. Would you join me right here at this altar? Come right now. Join me at this altar right now. Amen. Team, sing. Amen. God, the galaxy. Join me. You are holy. We're going to believe for miracles here this morning. Holy. Come. The universe declares your majesty. Amen. You are holy. Please press in. Amen. Move in tight. God wonders beyond our galaxy. You need a breakthrough. You are holy. The God who spoke the galaxies in place. He can do it for you. The universe declares Don't lift your hands and just begin to worship Him. He is holy. Honor Him. Hallowed be Thy name. Galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Heaven and earth. confident expectation hallelujah jesus said whenever any two or three agree upon any one thing whatsoever they ask it shall be done now i want you to expect that this morning i want you to get excited i want you to have a kettle corn experience this morning amen this is what we're going to do before we close this service this morning. And let me add, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, meet us pastors or an elder. Ask somebody here this morning to lead you to Jesus. But I want to focus this morning on breakthrough praying. Wherever you're at this morning, either down here at this altar or out in the pews, I'd like you to find three or four people 
If you get too big, if the circle becomes too large, you'll defeat the purpose. Get into a circle even right now. Would you do that? Three, four, maybe five, maybe six at the most. Don't start talking. Stay reverent. Stay reverent. Don't start talking. Would you get in a circle of agreement? A circle of prayer power. A circle of expectation prayer this morning. Precious Jesus, don't start praying. I haven't told you to pray yet. Listen to me. Don't start praying. Pastors, listen to me. Don't start praying. Now most of you down here at this altar, you needed a breakthrough. I'm going to invite you right now. I'm going to invite you right now. Every single one of you to take a turn and stand in the center of that circle. Hands are going to be laid upon you. And we're going to believe with you. There's power in agreement. We're going to believe with you for the impossible to become possible in your experience. We're going to move in God confidence. No wimpy praying out there. By wimpy praying, I'm not saying shy praying. No, no, I'm talking about your faith level. You don't have to pray like a preacher. You don't need to pray with a stained glass voice. You do need to pray with the attitude that the kettle corn miracle is coming. You already smell it. You already taste it. You're already getting excited about it. Take turns standing in the center of the circle. Now I need no music right now. Shh. Shh. Can you imagine what this room would be like if we would fill this room with prayer? Out loud prayer. Can you imagine? For you that are in pews right now, you need to get out of that pew. Get in an aisle way. I'm inviting you. If you don't want to do this, God bless you. Go home. Get in an aisle way right now and get in a circle. Get in a circle. Okay, get the first person in the center of the circle. Get the first person in the center of the circle. Okay, lay hands upon them right now. Okay, somebody, somebody lead out in prayer. Everybody begin praying for that one right now. In the name of Jesus, let's fill God's house with prayer. Let's fill the house with prayer.